Welcome to the Six Figure Product Biz Podcast. I'm Carrie, a product-based business coach. I started, scaled, and sold a successful multi-six-figure e-commerce business, and now I love teaching entrepreneurs like you how to start, grow, and scale your dream product business. I'm obsessed with all things marketing, e-commerce, and business, and I cannot wait to share all my secrets with you. I also love all things dogs and coffee. Each week, you'll learn step-by-step tangible strategies to help you scale to the next level in your business, skyrocket your sales and traffic, reach more customers, and gain greater visibility in your business. Because I know you don't want to waste your time or energy trying to figure it out all on your own, but you want the business growth roadmap so you can create a profitable product business that gives you the life you love. Whether you're thinking of starting a product biz or scaling yours, this podcast is the secret sauce to making all those dreams come true. So grab your coffee and your favorite notepad and let's get started. Welcome to this week's episode of the Six Figure Product Business Podcast, episode 189. Today we have a very special guest. We have Sarah Coppersmith, who is the founder of SB Jewelry, which is a brand that I absolutely love. I have her compass necklace, which I pretty much wear almost every single day. So amazing brand. Definitely check it out. And of course, I'm excited for you to hear a little bit more about the brand today. So on this week's episode, we're diving into a really cool story of, you know, definitely a female founder inspired story where we're talking about a lot of transformation and success within Sarah's business, again, SB Jewelry. So she talks a lot about overcoming specific business struggles and really coming down to one important decision that she made in her business, which kind of changed everything for her. So I'm super excited for you to hear more about her story. She has a really cool background, a very entrepreneurial background, entrepreneurial parents, and she's just amazing. She's also one of the people that was in my first round of cultish products. So I got to know her over the last six months, and she's just amazing and super ambitious, and I just adore her. So I'm super happy to have her on the podcast, sharing her story, sharing about her jewelry brand, and talking about that one pivotal decision that she made in her business, which changed everything. So grab a coffee, grab a wine. Let's dive into this episode. Well, hello, Sarah. Welcome to the podcast. I am so excited to have you on here. Yeah. Hi. I'm so excited to be here. Longtime listener. Yay. Um, Okay. So before we dive into what we're going to talk about, do you want to just let everyone know who you are and just a little bit about your business? Sure. So my name is Sarah Brittany. I am the founder of SB. We are a mostly handmade jewelry business, but we also do permanent jewelry. Um, I'm located in Michigan. I recently opened up a storefront, which has been really exciting. And we also do permanent jewelry training. Nice. And you're a YouTube star. I mean, I don't know about star, but yes, I do make YouTube videos. Before we started recording, we were looking at her YouTube channel and it's really awesome. So I will be sure to link it below so you can check it out. Um, So, okay. So I feel like we have to talk about your story a little bit because you have a really cool story. Um, I was diving through your About Us page this morning and I was looking at, you know, all the different things on your website. I really love your story and I would love for you just to share a little bit about how you, so you have a jewelry business, you have your online store, you also have, you sell courses, you do a lot of, you're like, you're a dabbler like me. So I love that. Like, I totally get it. Um, It's like, you can't just have one business. You have to do like 
you have to do a bunch. So what made you start the first business? Like what was your journey? Um, I know you went to fashion, the fashion Institute in LA. I have to also ask you, like, did you ever meet Elsie from the Hills? (laughs) Okay. No, but funny story is I went there at the same time she did. I know I connected the years. Oh, you did? Yeah. Because I was like, oh my God, I used to watch the Hills. Okay. Sorry. I'm interrupting you. Oh, you're totally fine. They actually would close the elevators with the camera crew. So you couldn't go up the stairs, like up to the class when she was going. And I was late for class. And if you're late for class more than three times, you get dropped from the class. And so I almost failed a class because of the camera crews, which is hilarious. Oh my God. That is so funny. I love that. I'll have to ask you more later, but I loved The Hills. I actually recently rewatched, I think, a couple seasons recently. Um, it, they, they're all crazy, crazy, especially Stephanie. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yes. I actually watched some of it too. Whitney Port was doing like reaction videos on her YouTube channel and oh, was going back and watching them all. And I went down the rabbit hole. Oh, I'll have to do that. That's so funny. Um, yeah. yeah, when I was reading your stuff, actually, I meant to ask you a few weeks ago. I was like, I wonder if she met Elsie. I love Elsie. <laughs> okay, anyway, tangent. So you went to fashion school. You then, I think you had a corporate type job or you had a different business. Yeah. Talk about just a little bit about your story because I think it's super interesting. Sure. So I grew up in Michigan. I moved to LA for the Fashion Institute. And then I worked at BCBG Corporate when I graduated. Um, and then I was just really burned out. I was working two jobs. I was a visual merchandiser at Macy's. I was like napping in my car, Mm. working at a restaurant. Like it was, I was doing all the things and not making any money. So I moved back to Michigan and I took a job at a wedding video company, which I was the first hire. So it was a teeny tiny company and it was really fun. But after about a year, the founder walked away and he wanted to close it. And so I went there to close it down. And I started messing around with Pinterest and turned things around. And I ended up taking over the business and I ran it for four years. It was absolute madness. uh, But the wedding industry is just not for me. So yeah, um, I started my blog and YouTube channel just kind of as a creative outlet. Because I feel like I went from doing all the creative stuff when I first got hired there to doing all the business stuff and being the boss. And I just missed all the creative. So mm-hmm. I started YouTube and yeah, I had this crazy dream in the middle of the night about making bracelets. So I tested it out. Absolutely loved it. I felt like it was a project that I could start and finish and nothing else that I was doing at the time was just a short project like that. I just felt very satisfying to get something done almost. So yeah, I started making jewelry and I launched my business, which was called with love Sarah for a while. I ended up rebranding in 2020. Um, yeah, the rest is history. It's been a wild ride. I love that. I like that you were just like, Oh yeah. I casually was a merchandiser at Macy's that kind of, that was that interesting or. It was, it's so there's a lot of aspects to it. You go to the store at like, I started work at 6am and so it's still dark out. You're in like the creepy mannequin closet, like pulling out mannequins, dressing them. Um, it's oh it's a lot of things that I didn't realize that it would be. I thought it would be more glamorous than it was, but it's like hanging posters in a store and mm-hmm. you know, you dress them, but you dress them according to what corporate wants. You don't have full creative freedom. So I think if you were higher up and creating everything from scratch, it would be more fun. 
but it, it was definitely fun. There were highs and lows to it for sure. Yeah. I feel like Macy's was probably when you did that too, like Macy's was um, like, I feel like that's like a go-to department store. I feel like they, a lot of them are closing now, but you know, I feel like I spent a lot of my years going to Macy's like with my mom on the weekends and like getting a crock pot or something, or I don't know. <laughs> I feel like that's where you used to get things that you get on Amazon now. <laughs> yep. Yep. It definitely was. Like, I yeah, back then. Yes. Now it kind of seems like it's gone downhill. Like I, I don't ever shop there anymore, but when I worked there, it feels like it was a million years ago. And back then it was much more popular and it had more people who were younger shopping there. Gotcha. I love that. Um, okay. So then you decided to open your online jewelry store and what, okay. So you had your jewelry store and then talk about the early days of your jewelry store. Like how did that look like? And then talk about what made you decide to launch the permanent jewelry, which was obviously a big pivot in your business. So if you want to share any details, that would be cool. Sure. Um, so I started my online store and I don't know why. I think I've just seen too many videos and stories of people who just blow up online overnight. And I just kind mm-hmm. of assumed that people would just show up on my site and start buying things. And I launched and it was just complete crickets for quite a while. It was like, you know, my aunt would buy something or a friend of a friend would buy something. Um, and then I finally started getting sales from strangers and I felt like it kind of validated my, my thoughts on jewelry and like validated my business. And then Mm -hmm. I expanded to doing more at, at the beginning. It was only bracelets. I expanded to doing more jewelry. Um, and as the years went by, YouTube really helped funnel sales and helped maintain the business. Um, and you know, things just, as I got pregnant, things kind of started tapering off, kind of wavering. I feel like I did what a lot of business owners did. And, you know, I was chasing shiny objects where I got pregnant and I really wanted to do clothing because I studied fashion and I absolutely love clothing. So I figured that was a great next step. Like launching clothing while you're pregnant and you can't try it on is a terrible, terrible idea. (laughs) And it was also during the pandemic when we couldn't be shopping in person. And so people are, we're not going to trust me when they don't know my brand. They can't try it on. I'm not trying it on to show them. And I'm like the trusted face of the brand. So I feel like I kept trying things and throwing spaghetti at the wall and nothing was sticking. And I was kind of at this pivot where I wasn't sure if I should stay open or, you know, if, if the time of running SB was over. And I saw permanent jewelry popping up everywhere online. And I just figured, you know, maybe I should take a chance on this. And I really kept going back to, you know, I've had a few business mentors over the years and all of them have told me, you have to go deep instead of going wide. Mm -hmm. And looking back at everything that I had been doing, it was like, oh, maybe we should do clothing. Maybe we should do, you know, all of these different things that are widening my business instead of deepening it. And permanent jewelry is just going deep on jewelry. So mm-hmm. I already knew how to make it. The only thing I would have to learn is how to weld. And so I made the investment with the welder and it completely changed the trajectory trajectory of my business. I went from having, you know, one person working for me. Now I have five people working for me. I have a physical location. Now we're doing in-person events. Everything used to be online, but obviously permanent jewelry has to be attached to you in person. So we started doing pop-ups and, you know, 
partnering with local businesses, which is really fun because I, I feel like I'm like that lone wolf. I'm so bad at networking with local businesses. Mm -hmm. And this has kind of pushed me to go outside of my comfort zone and meet with other people. So it's been absolutely incredible. And how long have you had the permanent jewelry side of your business up and running? You said it was it like two since COVID or was it after COVID that you launched that? It was after COVID. So we're coming up on a year of permanent jewelry now. Okay. Wow. And did you, when you were thinking about that, were you like, I don't know if this is going to work. Like, I don't know if I should do it. You know, maybe I should just focus on the online store. Like, did you have doubts and fears that it was going to work for you? Or did you sort of feel like, I think this is, I think this is like the niche to go down in. I think it's the right time. Permanent jewelry is something that people are talking about. There isn't much in my area of um, Michigan. Um, yeah. Talk about a little bit of that. Cause I feel like a lot of people um, have a business and they have a hard time thinking, oh, I should, I should pivot. Like, when do you know it's the right thing? I guess you don't know, but sometimes you kind of know, like I'm a very intuitive person. So I get really strong intuitive feelings about things. And I just kind of know, and it's, I don't know, it feels weird sometimes, but sometimes you just kind of know. So yeah. What did, what were you thinking back then? So uh, I think that it was, it was kind of a combination. When I started doing the clothing, I felt like I have experience in clothing. So how could this not be successful? But Mm -hmm just because you have experience in something doesn't, you could have the best product in the world. And if you don't have the visibility, like we've talked about before, you're not going to get the sales for it. And so I think that I've made a lot of mistakes of trying to add different things to my business when it wasn't the right fit. And I need to be known for the thing I'm known for. And that's jewelry. I've always been the girl who's making jewelry. So being continuing to be that girl with permanent jewelry made sense. So I think it was just, you know, there weren't people in Michigan doing it. And I did see it. It was like so popular. I feel like everything is really popular in Texas, maybe just because everything's bigger in Texas. It just seemed like there were quite a few businesses there doing it, but there weren't in Michigan. And we're kind of like one of the last states to get things, which is weird. And yeah, I just, it was one of those things that I, I looked at what, what the market could be at what my investment was because the welder's not cheap. and um, yeah, I just looked at what the investment was and I just had a feeling that this was the thing that I should be doing. And then this was like the one thing that would change my business. And I did what I'm sure a lot of business owners do. I went straight to one of the girls that works for me. That's been with me for years. I went to my parents, I went to my husband and all of them told me it was a terrible idea. They did not understand it. They thought that it was weird. And I was like, you know what? I don't need to listen to them. Like I knew in my heart that that was what was going to change my business. And so I went for it. So I think it really is just coming down to being realistic, not letting like your dream thoughts take over, but having a realistic view of, of what the market could handle. You know, if there were already 10 people in my town doing it, it would have been a terrible idea. But since I was able to be the first one in my town and, you know, one of the first ones in Michigan, we've been able to kind of become the go-to place for it. That's so awesome. And I love that you, you know, you're like, I'm going to ask people's thoughts, but it's not going to dictate my decision kind of, but also you're, you are making a decision based. You're kind of making a decision based on data in some way, because you're like, okay, there's no one else doing this here. 
it's popping up in other states. Like you not only saw an opportunity, but you kind of like you did think about about it realistically, not just, oh, I'm going to follow my heart. And I, I know this is right, but like it's not really based on any sort of reality, <laughs> which like that there's a hard balance of doing that because I sometimes think people you can get an idea, but you don't know if it's going to work. Like no one knows. But when you think about it, like strategically, which I, it sounds like you did, you know, there's opportunity that not people are doing it, but other people are doing it in other places. So it sort of has to be a good idea. So I love that. Well, I think that it's, it could work for any business. You know, if you had like Mm -hmm. a hair business and the hand tied extensions started getting really popular, and if you saw that in other states and you were thinking like, oh, I've been doing, I don't know, clip-ins or whatever. I don't know what other extensions there are, <laughs> but you know, that would potentially be a really great idea to like pivot the way that you're doing something. If you see a trend happening that could really benefit your business. But if a bunch of people are already doing it in your area, you know, obviously it wouldn't be as good of a good of an idea. So yeah, no, I, that makes sense. And then, okay, so you've launched now the permanent jewelry. And then since then, you've opened up a store. So how, like, that's a whole other beast. I I don't know anything about opening up a store. But I know for me, thinking of things that seem scary and overwhelming, I think that would be it for me as opening an in-person <laughs> store. That's like a whole other beast. How, like, what made you decide to do that? Um, is it like more of a logistical thing? for the permanent jewelry so people can come and have a place to do it. You don't always have to go to like a private party or I don't even know how the permanent jewelry thing works in terms of like where you do it for people. But yeah, talk about kind of like what it was like opening up, going from an online to an in-person store. So one of the, when we first started doing permanent jewelry, everything was either a pop-up, which was us coordinating with a, a local boutique we're going when they're open. So we're kind of setting up in a little corner of their business. We don't have everything. I mean, we're bringing a folding table and chairs and all of our displays and lugging everything back and forth, which sometimes it's really, really fun, but sometimes it's just a big pain. So we were doing that. And then we were also doing private parties where we go to people's houses and we still do both of those things. And I still love both of them, but yeah, people would, would say like, oh my gosh, you know, my sister would love to do this or whoever would, do you have somewhere that we can come and visit you? And we always had to say no. So it only made sense to have a place that we could live, keep all of our stuff in the same spot, have it all set up. I really wanted to have a place where people could take photos because it's such a shareable thing. And so I felt like having a wall that was in there that was like an Instagram worthy wall where we have little letters that say get linked up and then they can pick out their chain. We can kind of make it more of an experience where before we were kind of living in the experience of whatever the other business was. And maybe that goes with our brand, but maybe it doesn't. So now we kind of get to have our own home. Um, Mm -hmm. And then it's also a great place for us to be able to get our other jewelry in front of people, which is something that we didn't have before. If we do pop-ups, we only bring our permanent jewelry. Okay. Do you, and do you feel like it's easy as like a crossover to also sell your, you know, bracelets and necklaces to the permanent jewelry people? Yeah. I mean, I think creating a bracelet stack is very popular. So it's easy for them to see they can try on a bracelet with their permanent jewelry. And we're definitely selling more that way. Uh, But opening a store definitely is a different beast. (laughs) It's, um, it's not for the faint of heart. 
There's mm-hmm. a lot of things that I think I didn't really take into consideration. Like even just the way that we tag our products had to change because all of the inventory lived in a secure place in our office. It never was just out in the open. We didn't have to have price tags on every single thing. And um, just the way that things are displayed has to be beautiful and you know, going through and like changing things up, making sure that it looks interesting. If somebody comes back again, we can't have the exact same thing every single time they come in. Um, and then you have to deal with staffing a store and the hours and your different business insurance that you have to have to have a physical location. And yeah, all of your fixtures. And yeah, there's there's a never ending list that goes into opening a store that I, I did not take into consideration beforehand. Oh my God. That sounds very stressful. Um, do you feel like, cause I, you know, obviously I know online, you know, how to make online sales, how to have an online e-commerce store. Do you think like, how do you drive foot traffic to your in-person store? Is it more just like you're in a good location? So people just find you, is it they Google permanent jewelry near me and they're in Michigan. So people find you on Google. How do you feel like the foot traffic and traffic, um, just like, what's your strategy for that? I'm just curious. So we're not in a downtown location. We're mm-hmm. a little bit off the beaten path from downtown. So we're not getting foot traffic. We're actually in on the first floor of an apartment building. So we do have the people that live there that walk by and see us or who drive by and see us, but we're yeah. not getting a ton of traffic from people seeing us. So mm-hmm. that would be great if we did, but we don't. Um, I think we're definitely getting people who Google permanent jewelry near me. That's probably the number one place that people find us. Mm -hmm. And then we also post in our local Facebook groups. We can post like one time per week for a small business post. And so we really utilize all of the cities around us and we post in there and we actually get quite a bit from that. Hmm. That's pretty nice. Yeah. I mean, with local business, I think you have to just do, it's like a totally different strategy. Like Posting in a Facebook group for your online store might get absolutely nothing, but in an in-person, like, and I think of the way I am also a consumer in my town. Like I look at certain, I actually do look at the face. I don't really use Facebook, but I do use it for my town stuff because that's how a lot of people, it seems like Facebook is like still very relevant to like certain things that, I don't know, it's kind of funny, but um yes. <laughs> But yeah, like I, I, uh, yeah, anyway, I feel like I'm going down a rabbit hole. My brain is going crazy today. But um, yeah, I think it's interesting to hear the different strategies on like how to get customers for in-person versus online. And then just in terms of your store now, talk about like what it's like having your permanent jewelry uh, line collection store that you almost didn't open it. How has that kind of changed your business now? Do you mean that I almost didn't do permanent jewelry or that I yeah, almost yeah. didn't do the store? Oh. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. So now that you've done, <laughs> now that you have started the permanent jewelry, um, I guess initially, so not the store, but just in general, like what is your business looking like now? Um, are you loving it? How are you feeling about it? Are you still glad that you did the permanent jewelry um, pivot in your business? Yeah, I I wasn't sure how I would feel about it, but mm. I I'm so used to working by myself and working from home. I've worked from home for almost seven years. And so when the pandemic hit, I really wasn't that affected by it because I already worked from home. But I think being able to interact with people again, especially in this like going back to life post-COVID world, it's 
it's really nice to be able to sit down and hear people's stories. It seems like everyone has a really fun story of why they're getting permanent jewelry or they're coming in with somebody. So you get to hear about like couple stories and birthdays and anniversaries. And it's just so fun connecting with people. And it's an experience that they're coming to have fun. It's not an experience like going to the dentist or something, an appointment that people are dreading. So I absolutely love it. It has completely changed my business for the better. We, in the first quarter of this year, we have hit what we did last year in the entire year. So it's definitely changed my business in ways that I could have never imagined and have absolutely, absolutely zero regrets about that. Oh my God. That's so awesome. I didn't know that that it was your like revenue from last year. So that's that's quite the sales increase. That's amazing. Um, and it just yes. sometimes yes, does it go is. to show you like you have to, you have to always be thinking how can, if my business isn't, and I'm not saying that your business wasn't working, but if we're not happy with our business in any capacity, if we're working too much, if we're not making enough sales, like you have to sort of think outside the box a little bit and and take risks and think, okay, what can I do to change things? How can I pivot the business a little bit and add in this new opportunity. And like so many people won't do that. They'll just stay in their safe corner, you know? So for you, like a lot of people would have been like, oh no, I don't want to X, Y, and Z excuses. Like, I don't want to invest in the welding thing. I don't want to learn a new thing. I I, I don't want to open up a brick and mortar. Like there's so many things that people are afraid to do, but sometimes you just, you like have to fucking take the risk because you don't know... <laughs> What's if it's gonna pay off or not, but like sometimes just make a decision and do it. So I love that you, you know, really did think outside the box in some capacity and like just thought, okay, what could I do to change my business? And I see this opportunity and was gonna kind of go with it. And then it was working for you. So then you're like, all right, well, now let's take it up a notch and open an in a brick and mortar store, which again, that's like another level of commitment. You have to have a team. You have to, you know, there's all sorts of things that come with a brick and mortar. So um, I just think it's amazing that you saw this opportunity and you rolled with it. And now it's paying off, you know, for the best for you. That's amazing. Thank you. I think one of the, the biggest takeaways for me and like the thing that made it less scary was we started making more money doing permanent jewelry. And for me to rationalize, like I have to pay this much in rent thinking this is how much I made, like if I just amp up, because obviously we'll be open more at the store, I can ramp up how many appointments I'm doing, I can easily make the rent. And I think when it comes to making decisions in my business, every time I rationalize in that way, it makes it less scary than thinking, oh my gosh, a year and a half or three year lease or however long your lease is, is going to be, you know, X amount of money. I don't have that money right now. Yeah. So I think every decision that I've made has been, I've proven out you know, the first four steps of this, that means that I can take 10 steps and still be successful. Yeah. Oh, I love that. And, um, and yeah, I think it's super important to rationalize however works, like whatever works for you in like your own head, rationalizing, like making a decision. And cause I've worked with clients before and they've had to sign leases and then it didn't like, did not work out. And they've had to figure out like, how do I get out of the lease? How do I break the lease without like getting sued or having to pay all this money. So it's definitely like, it can be super scary. And I love to, I just want to point out something that I saw on your website that I thought was really awesome. I'm just going to pull up my note because I did, I don't usually have any notes, but I copied this because I loved it. 
You wrote on your website, um, not to call you out, I'm passionate about empowering (laughs) women and making people feel beautiful just the way they are. If my jewelry makes even one person feel confident in their skin and my story lights a fire for one person to pursue their dreams and I've hit my goal. I really love that. I think that's such an important thing to weave in um, a story or your brand story or like a mission of your business where it's not, you're not just selling jewelry, you're doing something bigger that makes people feel something. Can you kind of talk a little bit about just how you came up with, um, I don't even know if that's like your mission necessarily, but I did pull that from either your about page or your about Sarah page. And I just like, I loved it. There was a couple of things I love that I want to talk about. Um, But yeah, (laughs) like talk about that. What what about making people feel um, confident is really important to you or important to your um, part of your brand mission or ethos or whatever? So I wrote that long before we started doing permanent jewelry. And I feel like as I started hearing people's stories when we've done permanent jewelry, I really feel like I'm in like a full circle moment because I can't tell you how many people will sit down and say, I can never find a bracelet that fits me because they're always too small or they're always too big or you know, they want to get a matching bracelet with a significant other or whatever that is. And so I feel like these people are walking away with something that makes them feel unique. They chose what chain they want. They chose what, you know, charms or anything else that they want to add to it. And so they feel like it's something that's making them feel like themselves and showing their personality. I just feel like the confidence that you get when you wear an outfit that fits you really well, or if you figure out how to do your makeup that complements your natural beauty. Um, I just think that it's the difference between holding your head high and like killing it in an interview or, you know, getting that dream job or chasing your dreams and staying stagnant because you don't have the confidence to put yourself out there. So Mm -hmm. I, I'm just such a big believer that it's not just jewelry. It's not just makeup. It's not just clothing. It's the feeling that that provokes. It's a confidence that you get when you're wearing something that feels like you and I think that that's irreplaceable. And I think that having a jewelry business, you can look at it and it seems like such a surface level thing. But if you, you spent one day in my store and heard the stories that people tell us, like you would know immediately that it's so much deeper than that. Oh, that's so cute. That's, I feel like that you're, I feel like you can like feel the impact that your stuff is making as well. When you hear people's stories and you can see the, you know, transformation or confidence that they feel after they put something on. So that's, that's amazing. Um, I have to tell you, um, this one, our very, very first event for permanent jewelry, I had a woman come up to me. She was just walking by. We were outside. She's on the sidewalk. She walks by. She was probably maybe in her sixties and she was like permanent jewelry. We had to explain what it was. She was very confused by it. Mm -hmm. And she walked by probably three or four times. And then she came back and she had told us that she had a stroke and she was completely paralyzed on one side of her body. And she's had these bracelets on her wrist for years and she's wanted to replace them, but she can't take her bracelets on and off by herself. And she was almost in tears by the time we finished doing her bracelets because she got to wear new bracelets and she hasn't been able to change hers out in so long. And so that was on our very first day of doing permanent jewelry. And I immediately knew like we're not that we're changing lives doing this, but it is a bigger impact and it does make people feel good, which makes me feel good. It's so, it's so fun doing that. Oh, that's such a good story. I feel like that needs to be in your website. That's a good story. (laughs) 
um but yeah it's true i think you can't i feel like okay i have some ideas for you we'll have to chat after um yes (laughs) stories like storytelling and sharing stories is such an important part of a product business but when you can share like i just feel like you could do a lot with like storytelling of other people's stories and like what happened you know after putting on your bracelets or you know things like that but Anyway, um, yes. <laughs> we'll talk after. So I wanted to maybe maybe there's a business coach that could help me with that. <laughs> um, Sarah is in the cultish product program, by the way. So we're just we're joking around a little. Um, okay, I have to mention one other thing because this really resonated with me because this is kind of something that um, I think about, like with my son. You wrote on your website as well. Sorry to keep calling you out. You wrote. Um, <laughs> You have your son, Theo. I hope someday Theo will have fond memories of seeing me follow my dreams just like I had of my parents. So in your website, you talk about how your parents had their own businesses and you kind of grew up. I love the story, by the way, of with the your mom and the curtains, like you used to not want to go to, I think it was like kindergarten because you wanted to go see, your, basically like you wanted to go help your mom do her business. And I think that's so fucking awesome. So powerful. And like, look at the impact that's had on you because now you have had your own businesses and doing all that. Um, But you wrote that, you know, you want your son to see you following your dreams. And I love that so much because I do think seeing like your kids seeing you do something different, like following your dreams, do something different, doing your own, like creating your own path especially as women, I just think that's such a powerful thing. And I just wanted to bring that up because when I read that, I was like, oh my God. Um, Cause I always say that about my business. Like I want my son to see that he can kind of do whatever he wants to, if he wants to write a book or he wants to write a kid's book, or he wants to like have a YouTube channel, you know, so many parents don't do what we do. And I think we get a lot of crap or we make ourselves feel bad. Like, mom guilt. We're always working like, oh, you're not, you know, you should do more with your kids, but also look at what we're showing our kids by starting our own business. Um, and just like not being sheep, to be honest with you, like not following in the corporate, like, you know, you should do this and you should do this. Well, I can start a jewelry business if I want to, and I can open up a store. So anyway, I just wanted to, I wanted to just ask about that. Cause I thought that was, um, really powerful and just very relatable because it's something that I really connect with as well. So, yeah, I mean, Theo, he's sleeping right now. He's napping. Uh, I feel like I have the best of both worlds where I have a couple of days of childcare, but I also get to be around him so much more than my mom friends that work like full-time jobs outside Mm -hmm. of the house. And I get to make my own schedule, which means that, you know, I make sacrifices like waking up at 5am before he gets up so I can get a couple hours of work in. And I do the nap time hustle every day. And, you know, that that is sacrifices. The other day I was working at the store until almost until he went to bed and I called him and my husband to say hi because I had a break between clients. And Mm -hmm. my husband said that he was just standing by the door frowning because he heard my voice, which immediately took me to this place of guilt where I should be at home because they're at home and they're eating dinner without me. But I, I feel like I always end up pulling myself back out of that. Like, I am showing him that if you follow your dreams, then amazing things are possible. And it's important that he knows that he is my whole world, but I'm also a whole person. And 
I have aspirations and things that I want to do in my life. And although like I am probably too obsessed with him, there's going to come a day that he's going to move out. So I know that my entire world can't revolve solely around being a mom. It can be multifaceted. So yeah, I think, I think it's good for him to see me working. Like he sees me making jewelry all the time. He sees me like measuring out chain and opening up packages of supplies and stuff. So I know it's going to somehow be ingrained in him, even if he doesn't remember these moments because he's still too young. I I hope that he picks up some of it somehow and that it does. It's ingrained in him. I want him to do whatever he wants to do. The sky is the limit. And that's what my parents ingrained in me. And so it's like one of the most important lessons that they told me I can do and be anything I want to be. And it's really important to me that he feels the same way. I love that so much. I love it. I love it. It resonates with me so much because I truly just think that I think kids are lucky to have parents that are entrepreneurs because I think most parents have boring jobs and like, you know, you're my husband is an engineer, you know, he he's an engineer or like you are this or that. And like, I think it's cool that we can just be like, I want to launch a jewelry store. I want to launch a subscription box. I want to write a business book. I want to launch a brick and mortar. Like most people can't do this shit. And I just feel like it's so powerful that we are showing our kids that you can do these really cool things in life. And like, I have no doubts that my child will be doing something interesting because he's basically for years now sees me having a podcast. Like he wants a podcast. He wants to do a YouTube channel. He wants to do all these. That's adorable. Yeah. Like it's so cute and I love it. So I always try to not give myself a hard time about mom guilt because I know that's like that kind of never goes away. I feel like I started my first business when he was six months old. And so I've kind of just been in this space ever since he was a baby. And it's now been seven years. So I kind of don't even know anything different now. I can't imagine not doing all this um, because I did it like after having a kid. But um, anyway, yeah, I just I wanted to talk about that because I thought that was something that I think a lot of people listening who have a business and our parents, which is a huge, I think a huge chunk of listeners that, you know, when you're making yourself feel bad about like, I'm not home, I should be with the kids or I'm working late again. Like you're also showing them this really powerful thing that, you know, I think, especially if you have uh, not to like genderize, but like if you have girls, I think just I think we need to work so hard to make women feel like they really can do whatever the fuck they want. So, yeah, anyway. I totally agree. And you know what? I think our sons both have the best of both worlds because my husband is an architect, so very like oh, nice. like a very straight edge job, and mine yeah. is like so all over the place. So you know, both of them will kind of grow up with like one parent who has a very typical job and one parent mm-hmm. who has a very atypical job, and then they can figure out what they want to do. Yeah. Oh, I love that so much. Um, okay, cool. Well, this was amazing. Um, thank you so much for sharing just your awesome story and all the fun little tidbits like Elsie from Fashion Institute. <laughs> <laughs> Um, everyone, I had to ask about that. (laughs) Tell everyone where they can find you, uh, how they can, um, you know, follow you where they can buy your jewelry. Sure. So our website and our social handles, everything is shop SB. So the word shop and then SB is E S S B E. And our website is shop SB.com. All right, Sarah. So nice to talk to you. Thank you so much for being on here and I'll talk to you soon. 
Sounds good. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much for joining me today. If you love this episode, please go ahead and leave a review on Apple Podcasts and then take a screenshot and share it on your Instagram stories. Tag me in it at Carrie A. Fitzgerald. My name is in the show notes. Thank you so much and I'll see you guys next week.